this morning. I know a lot of you are tired. Some of you partied all day. <laughs> the rest of you moved furniture. And that's okay. You know, God is awesome in all of his ways, isn't he? It doesn't matter what man is doing on the earth because God does not change because of what we do down here. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello, somebody. Come on now. God don't change because circumstances down here change. You know, and he understands when you are fatigued. I sat there and I, I listened and I tried to go, Lord, where are your people at this morning? Did they even show up today? <laughs> but that's okay. You're here. And that's what's important. Oh, whoo, you go, boy. And I miss my little man, Michael. I tell you, Michael gave me some help when he's here. And to God be the glory that he gave Michael three. So he's three years old. But a pa, huh? Yeah, no, I tell you, it's just running the blood. That's what I love about it. In Acts chapter 18, as we're getting ready to go there in a few minutes, I want you to understand what's going on. But in order for us to really get the fullness of what's being said and done, we need to take you back just a little ways. As I was sharing with Pastor Kyle from Mount Olive Baptist Church yesterday and with Deacon Clinton, when God went down to Egypt to deliver his people from under the hands of Pharaoh, what was the earth like at that moment? Does anyone know? It's not, it's not a ask a question period. It's just a rhetorical statement. I'll tell you what the earth was like. Not one nation worshipped the one true God. It was out of worship everywhere. In fact, God had not visited his people and talked to them directly for 450 years. The last person that God really talked to directly and he talked back to God was Jacob. Jacob was the last one. Joseph, God spoke to in dreams. And then they went down into Egypt. And everybody know that there was famine in the land, that there was a great hunger going on in all the earth. Egypt had food because of the vision that God had gave Joseph and the dream of the Pharaoh. And out of that, 70 souls went down to Egypt, Jacob and his clan. And for a short period of time, you had a small remnant of Hebrews. They were known as Jews. The Romans were the one that called them Jews. They wouldn't be called Jews until hundreds of years later. They were known as Hebrews, which mean people from beyond the river. And so here we have it. Stay with me for a moment as the Lord paints this backdrop for you. The entire world was worshiping false gods. Not one nation on earth worshiped the one true God. 
was a mess going on. Bad. Really bad. And from there, there was a handful of would be known as Israelites will hear about the one true God. And then they will be thrust into slavery for the next 400 years. And the ones who had an image in their minds about the one true God had knowledge had already died off. So 400 years there, 400 years of slavery. These people were born and raised among a nation that worshiped God, false gods continually. And that's all they knew around them for 400 years until the one true God brought them out with a mighty hand by his son Moses. And it was at that time in the Sinai Desert on Mount Sinai that God came down and the children of Israel saw the glory of God. For the first time any nation on earth had seen the glory of God. And that first generation, because they're the first generation to see God's glory upon the earth. But what were the rest of the nations doing? Still worshiping their false gods. God used Israel to take his name into the land that was plagued out of worship. You know, believe me, start reading in the book of Exodus, chapter 14 is when God brought them through. Chapter 15, they're celebrating. Chapter 16, God is getting things in order. They're learning that God still cared for them. And in chapter 19, we see where God came down and told Moses, prepare the people. And then in chapter 20, God speaks directly to the people of Israel. He doesn't send the word to Moses as you all are led to believe about the Ten Commandments. God spoke that word directly to those people standing at that mountain. And they knew. And the first thing God told them, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of what? Bondage, out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. And you're to have no other God before me. That's what he said. He establishes himself right then and there with the nation of Israel. That when you go into that land, the land that I promised your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you go into the land, we know it as the promised land, right? But when you go in there, he said, listen, do not be like the nations that are in there. Do not worship false gods. Do not go up to the high places and worship a false god. Neither offer your children as sacrifice. In other words, don't have your children pass through the fire where they would take the babies and put them in this oven like thing and they call it Molech. So don't do that. So Israel will bless. They went into the land. They drove out most of the inhabitants. They destroyed them. But a lot of them they left in there. And God said, they're going to be a snare to you. And that's probably where the Palestinians come from. The remnant that was left in the land. And so, 1,500 years now is into the future. Stay with me because you got to understand what's going on in the earth. It's one nation of people that know the one true God. One nation. And that nation is who? Israel. And Israel is enslaved right now again by the Romans this time. And so in the midst of all of that, 
The Romans worshiped many gods. They were known as a fancy word called pantheus, meaning many. They worshiped many gods. And so Paul would later write, he said, in the fullness of time, other words, when the time was right by God, not by man, but by God and God alone, he sent forth his son Jesus. He brought him here. He brought him here in the midst of all that darkness. Why? Why did Jesus come? He didn't come because you were somebody special. He came to clear God's name among the false gods and to show you who the one true God is. That's what he did. The entire world was worshiping false gods. That means Satan had control. He had control. And, and, and one way that we know this in his fullness when Jesus was being tempted by Satan over in the book of Luke, Luke is the only one who records it like this. During the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan took him up on the high places and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Otherwise, he showed him every nation on earth. And he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give all these to you, for they have been given to me. How did he acquire them then? Through illegal activities. What was the illegal activity? When he lied to Eve in the garden. When he lied to Eve and she was deceived and her husband was deceived. And the moment they ate, boom, Satan stole the kingdoms of the world. That's why he said they had been given to me. Because God is holy and God is just. God is equal. What is rightfully belonged to you, God will give it to you. What rightfully belonged to the enemy, God will let him have it. So now Jesus is here and he's having to combat this stuff. Oh, before as y'all know, he just gone on the cross to die for our sins. Uh-uh. He came to bring you out of the kingdom of darkness. Well, what is the kingdom of darkness? Out of worship. And now some years later, his servant Paul is in the capital of outer worship. He's in current. He had just come from Athens, the biggest outer worship city in the world. Right there. And now he's in current. Corinth is almost just like Athens. They are both mega cities and they both got false gods everywhere. And who's living in some of these places? No other than God's very own people, the Jews. Instead of getting those people to turn from their idol worship and turn into the one true God, they basically became what the 21st century say that we're supposed to be today. Tolerant. Tolerant means acceptance. Don't show them the error of their way because every man have the right to worship whatever he pleases. Not according to God. God said you worship me and me alone. Even if you can't sing today. Okay. So this is where we're at. And this man, the Apostle Paul, is getting ready to go into a major battle. A major battle with his own fellow bloodline, his own countrymen called the Jews. And you're going to see some stuff happen here. So please, if you can, stay awake and hear what the Spirit has to say to you. Because many of you of fighting your own battles today. And I guarantee you, 
It's because a prince of darkness don't want you here. And it doesn't want you to listen and it doesn't want you to hear this word. Because even children have to know that God has a real enemy. And what is the enemy of God's name, children? Any of y'all know? Who is God's enemy? Devil. Yes! The devil. And what's another name for the devil? Satan. Satan. Demon. Demon, okay. He's a chief demon, that's right. And so now, everybody, as we get ready to go to the, for the Lord in prayer, understand where you're at. Look around you once again. All the nations of the world are engulfed in out of worship. And these United States is no exception. You understand me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your living word. Above all, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. We thank you for being here with us. Lord, this is a time in which your presence has to be with your people. Lord, there's trouble on every hand. We see wars and rumors of wars breaking out around the world. We see brothers turning against brothers, sisters against sisters, son against fathers and daughters against mothers, daughter-in-laws against mother-in-laws. We see it just as your word says it. And I'm often warning, Lord God, is the red horse of revelation riding right now, the, the, the rider of war. Is he going out now, taking peace from all the earth? Is it happening now, Lord? This is what's been in my heart these last days as we were thrust into the limelight on television and we're seeing all of this confusion around the world. But one thing for sure, that the kingdom of God is still moving. And that the kingdom of God is still uprooting the kingdom, kingdom of darkness. And that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Doesn't matter if you're a demon or angel or human. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And so, Lord, our responsibility is to keep our eyes upon Jesus. And long as our hope is in Jesus, we have nothing to fear. And so, Lord, Paul, we will see in your living word, the scriptures, that Paul, once again, is in the midst of a hot spot, a place in which they didn't want him to preach the gospel. His own fellow Jews tried to shut him up and even threatened him and even had Gentiles lay their hands on him. And yet, Paul would not be quiet. And neither should we today. Your church, your people needs to become more vocal than what we are. And so, Lord God, we're asking you now to glorify your son, Jesus, with the glory that you two had before the world was. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the center of the church. Jesus Christ is the church. Without Jesus, there is no church. There is no salvation. And so, Lord Jesus, have your way in our midst as we glorify the Father, as your Spirit help us sit here and listen very, very carefully.
what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In Acts chapter 18, I find a hard press for you young people back there. To, some of you don't even have the word of God in front of you. I'll wait for you. Chapter 18 is actually a connection with chapter 17. In fact, the entire book of Acts is one continuous ladder by Luke, the beloved physician. And as he's writing to his friend Theophilus, a Roman official, and he's given a very detailed account about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. And now he's at this portion where he's just getting ready to conclude uh, about Paul's visit to Athens. In fact, you know why he's able to write so detailed and so descriptive? It's because he was there. He was there with Paul in Athens and he saw Paul preach this gospel. And now he's telling you at the top of chapter 18, Paul just finished the work in Athens. And he was up against his biggest foes in Athens. Do you know what one of the greatest weapons against you and I are as children of God? Philosophy. That's properly translated is the wisdom of men. This tongue. When people think they know more than God. And they try to persuade you to worship false gods. And they come out with their fancy word, their excellence of speech, Paul calls it. And they're able to speak in such a manner and they get you following their uh, kids. They call this fancy thing rhetoric. That means people can just talk good. Okay. And they get you to follow them because it sounds good and it seems good and they draw these big wonderful pictures in your mind. And you go, boy, we need to go that way. We need to be doing what they're doing. Okay? Well, yeah, you're being deceived when in fact you need to be following the word of God so that you can hear the voice of God by the Son of God. Okay? And as the Spirit brings this word forward, that's why Lord Jesus said in the book of Revelation, he said, let him that has an ear hear what? What the Spirit is saying to the church. Who's the church? Raise your hand. We are not a building, but you, the people of God, we're the church. Okay? And so Paul is concluding his work. There in Athens. Boy, was it a work. Woo! But yet God did an amazing thing in Athens. He took a people who was ignorant of the one true God and turned some of them into sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? Jesus is awesome. I tell you, I like it when he walk in the devil's battlefield and take soldiers from the devil. Okay? I love it. So, here we are. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. It really wasn't that far away. Both of them are port cities. 
on the Mediterranean. So he probably sailed up, or he could have caught a donkey. I don't know how he got there, but nevertheless, he's there. And Current may not have as many idols as Athens did, and may not have the architect as Athens did, you know, the fancy buildings and things, but they had them. May not have them in depth as Athens. So he's there, and the first thing that happened, the Holy Ghost marries him up with a couple. Watch this. And he found a certain Jew named Aquilus, Aquila, born in Pothos, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, what was his wife's name? Priscilla. 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 Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Bubba and Sally, that means if you was Jew, the emperor said, get out. We don't want you in Rome. So every Jew had to leave Rome. They had to get out. So no longer pleasant for them to be there. If they'd have stayed, you know what had happened to them? Yeah, you know. Would not have been pretty. However, this couple was not just like any other Jewish couple leaving Rome. Because watch and see what happens. So be careful who you mistreat. Okay? But just because they don't belong to your party... Don't mean they don't belong to God. Okay? So here they are. We're looking now on down. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, you see the common bond God had, how he brought this couple together? You see the common bond there? They were what? What were they? They were what? Tent makers. He stayed with them and worked for by occupation they were tent makers. Let me ask you something. Do you know what a tent maker does? Do you know what they handle? Oh yeah, they make tents. You know, they go, it's tent makers, right? But what do they handle to make the tents? Skins. Skins. In order to get to the skins, what they have to handle? Dead animals. As a Jew, they made themselves what? Unclean. Unclean. So they were not popular people. Are oh, you seeing this? And one of the most greatest brothers in the Bible was a tent maker. He handled dead things. And for a Jew, uh, 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 that's a no-no. Okay? That means you have to go through the ceremony and washings to make yourself clean again. Amen? But when the Holy Ghost got you clean, you don't have to worry about washing. Okay? Because you've been washed in the blood of who? In the blood of Jesus. And is everybody following this? Not, not complicated, is it? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let's move on. Verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So things are going pretty good right now. Paul is in the synagogue. Remember, we talked about this a while back, that if there was 10 or more Jewish men in a community, by law, they had to build a synagogue, a place of worship for them. The word synagogue simply means a place of assembly. Okay? And it comes from the same root word where we get our English word synthesis from. Which means to do what? Bring many together. All right? So they're at the synagogue, 
and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jews. Do you know what these Jews represent? Do you know who they are? Did you know their background? These was hardline Jews who only believed in the Old Testament. Well, because the New Testament didn't exist. And guess what? These Jews did not know about Jesus. They did not know that God had sent his son. Because they're outside of the nation of Israel. They're over in Greece. How are they going to hear? How are they going to know? Only by messengers. Only by messengers. And messengers were slow. It took a long time for them to get there. Okay? It's not like y'all get on the phone chasing Pokemon. <laughs> and it takes you a few seconds to go from place to place. You can go and you can Skype somebody on the other side of the world in a matter of seconds. Okay? It wasn't like that. It took these brothers literally days and weeks and months to get to a place. So it was very, very slow. So he's preaching, and Jews and Greeks are listening. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. This is very, very important for you to get in your heart. If you want to reach Jewish people with the gospel, you can't argue with them and tell them, oh, that way of Abraham, that's old. You're going to die and go to hell. No, you have to show them from the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. Out there the other night, during youth night, um, I met some folks out on the sidewalk and I was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and I walked up to this one guy I said do you love Jesus he said no I'm Jewish I said well Jesus was Jewish he said I know and I said what he said I know who do you think I've been praying for since then because by him acknowledging that Jesus is a Jew that tells me he knows something about him he's just rebelling against him so we're praying now and asking that God will open his eyes and his ears and his heart to hear and know and receive Jesus. Okay? Show him from the scriptures that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Messiah. All right, you folks up front, I'm coming back up here so you can look at me again and not get a crook neck. Okay? So Paul is there and he's preaching. He's preaching his heart out. And things seem to be going pretty well. They're fair-minded right now. People are listening. They're responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're believing. They're getting saved, Arve. Things are going well in current right now. However, let's take a look at verse 6. But when they opposed him and did what? Bless them. That means that they just doomed themselves. That means they just spoke something very very bad against the spirit of the living God and of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Back in chapter 13, some Jews did that in Antioch. You know what happened to them? Paul rebuked them sharply by sin. He said, we are now turning away from you. You are who is not worthy of eternal life. Mm. There it is. He said, we're now turning away from you. And we're now going to the Gentiles. And now Jews in like manner there in Corinth 
are now blossoming the worthy name of God and his son Jesus because of Paul preaching the gospel to them, trying to get them to see the truth and understand it and accept God's son Jesus. That's just what he's trying to do. But they're nasty and mean people. And you got some of those same kind of people and who are not Jews in this country who are some of your neighbors, some of your relatives, some live in your own house will tell you, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Get out of my face. But on the day of judgment, people, they're going to wish to God that they had listened to you. Because God is not changing his mind about Jesus sitting up on the judgment seat. There is a high court date coming where all men, women, boys, and girls will stand before Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And it doesn't matter what family you come from, whether you're black or white, rich or poor, fat or skinny, it does not matter. Whether you're smart or dumb, stupid or crazy, pardon the expression, you will stand before Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And whether you want to believe in him or not and say that Jesus doesn't exist, it doesn't matter on that day because you will stand before him. You won't have a choice. Do you know why? Do you know why you won't have a choice? Look at me. Because the angels of God will escort you into the presence of Jesus and you will stand in the presence of Jesus and you will tell him what you have done. Whether you've done things that mama can't see or daddy can't see or husband can't see or wife can't see or grandpa can't see or neighbors can't see or government can't see it does not matter Jesus has seen it all. Amen. And if you don't believe me, read Revelation chapter 20. Starting at verse 11. And it says, and it says, look and say, and I saw a great white throne. And then the books were open. And then the book of life was open. In other words, only one book of life. But there are many books of others. Guess what's written in those other books? People lives who are not written in the book of life. And it's out of those books that the scribes of heaven. Do you know what a scribe is? In Jesus' day, they were legal secretary. Otherwise, they pretty much like lawyers. And they were very good at writing down things. They were the ones that transcribed the law. They copied the Bible, okay? It's what we call it. And they didn't make mistakes. They were very professional people. God has legal scribes in heaven. They are angels who have been commissioned by God to do nothing but write your life down. Everything you do. And you want to know what else? Now here's the part that really going to shake your britches. 
Not only to write your life down, but to write everything you think. What? Even your thoughts will be written in heaven. Uh-oh. So if you were thinking something bad, it's written. If you think something good, it's written. So there's no account of you, no detail of your life that is not written in the book. Are you hearing me? And King David gave us a wonderful, wonderful description of this in Psalms 139. He said, Lord, before my words even hit my mouth, you know them. Even my thoughts, Lord, before they are transformed into human words, you know them all together. You know the sum of them. What? He said, in other words, Caitlin, you don't have to say a mumbling word. God already knows what's in your heart. And then the writer of Hebrews says that God, by the word, also knows your motive behind what you're thinking, your reason. Okay? You know how you like to go up to mommy and you say, Mommy, can I wash the dishes? And she's thinking, you go, Oh, my child being sweet. You, my wife don't know. She said, uh, what you want? Okay? Because you got a motive. They call that motive. You, you want something, so you're going to go and do something good, right? But God said he knows everything that you're thinking and why you're thinking that way. And he knows your actions, why you're doing that. Okay? It's written in the book. All right? So Paul, he's up here, and he's talking to these people. And that was a long dissertation on what God thinks. He knows what you're thinking. So anyway, look, look, look here. So they blaspheme it. They talk evil about what the Apostle Paul was doing. And it says, and he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. Couple, couple points of reference here you need to know where that come from. Okay? One is in Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 5, when Nehemiah was up talking to the people, the, the, the leaders of the remnant that was left in the land, because the rest of them had gone into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Y'all know that story? Okay? Well, when they went back into the land, the people that was left in the land, the, the, the leaders that was left behind was robbing the people. They were charging them such high interest on everything. On their food, on their houses, on everything. So eventually people couldn't pay these taxes. And so you know what these nobles did? They took the people land and they took their houses and they took their vineyards and they took their olive groves. So the people had nothing. And Nehemiah said, y'all are wrong. He said, you need to restore you need to give everything back, including the money you've taken from the people, 100% of it. Give it back to them. And he said, if you don't, he said, look, I'm unfolding my garment, my robe, and I'm shaking it off. You, do you know what that means? He said, God will do the same to you. God will shake you off. That means God will put you out of his family. He said, if you don't do this, this day. He said, don't do it tomorrow. Do it today. Give everything back today. 
And another thing Jesus said himself. When you go into the city and you preach the gospel and they don't receive you, what do you say do? Get the dust of that city off your feet. And it'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it will be for you. The Lord ain't mucking around. I'm here to tell you folks, it's a serious thing to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a serious thing to reject the Son of God. And these Jews had just did it. And what Paul said, we now shake our garments off against you. And your blood is upon your own head. And I'll give you that cross reference for that one. That comes from Ezekiel chapter 3 starting at verse 17. When God told Ezekiel, he called him son of man. He said, you go son of man. You go and warn that righteous man who now decided to turn away from me and commit sin. He said, you go to him and you warn him to turn back to me. And if he refuse, he says, sin, his own blood shall be upon his own hands. But if you don't go and warn him, his blood shall be upon you. Uh-oh. Now, all y'all just heard me say this, right? I'm going to say it in today's language so you can understand me. You hear me? Got it, Emily? Okay. I'm going to say it where you can understand it, Michaela. If you see your brother lying and stealing, go tell on him. Go tell God. Go tell him. Say, look, you better stop stealing. You better stop lying because God is seeing you. God is hearing you. And God is not pleased with you. And if you see your buddies, and this is the generation right here that I'm just calling, this is the generation that love to have sex more than any other generation on earth. Are y'all hearing me? Look at me. This generation right here, Satan has gotten a hold of them. And they just got to have sex. Got to have a man. Got to have a girlfriend. Got to have a boyfriend. If you see you belong to Jesus, and you see someone else that you know out there having sex, whether girl or boy, you better tell them to stop it and turn back to God. Hello. Or shooting that stuff in their veins or sniffing stuff or drinking stuff they're not supposed to. You better tell them. And hello, married men. We know some of our buddies or some friends that got girlfriends and they're married. And if we see that garbage, we better tell them they better stop it and turn back to who? To God. Same thing, you sisters, you married sisters. You know some of them sisters out there giving it up to other people that's not their husband. You better warn them. But well, I don't really want to tell on them. I really don't want to hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings! It's better that their feelings are hurt now than for them to burn in hell. And all of this I just described to you, the Bible calls sin. Now, it can't get any plainer than what I just told you today. Okay? What Paul was telling these people, these Jews in Kern, you don't want to listen? I'm going to tell you something. 
I need everybody's attention now. What happens next? You say, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. Otherwise, I'm not guilty now. I'm not trying to get you to turn right. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Junior? When they don't want to listen to you, and you've done everything you can by sharing the gospel, Caitlin, to your friends, and they don't want to listen to you, walk away and be through with them. Don't waste God's precious time on them anymore. Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swines unless they turn and tear you to pieces. What does that mean? Don't waste this precious gospel that is good as pearls before God on people who don't want to hear, who just as filthy in their sins as pigs are. You give them the gospel, they don't want to receive it, you walk away. Because God has their number. Amen? If your sons and your daughters don't want to change and you've done all that you can do, you turn them over to God. Amen. You've done all you can do. Don't lose your life by going to an early grade by worrying about their foolishness. Because you can't change them. Because the more you bewail this thing, the more you get gray hair, the more your stuff falls out. Okay? And you're not going to be any good. You're going to lose your health worrying about foolish children doing foolish things. All you got to do is do what Job did. Remember the uh, teens Thursday night? What did Job do? Because his ten kids refused to honor God. Job said, my sons may have cussed God in their hearts. But yet, he went and offered a sacrifice on their behalf. But he did not beat himself down over their sins. And Paul was not beating himself down over these Jews who refused to listen to the gospel. You understand me? There are some sleepy looking people today. What's going on? <laughs> okay. Who house was you in? You was in Shelley's house? Okay. Oh, your house. They don't have anything to do with the gospel message on Sunday morning, everybody. Those who are listening. As we go forward in verse 7, and he departed from there, entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were what? Baptized. So he went to people that will hear the gospel. And I often ask the Lord, I said, Father, even this morning, early this morning when I was praying, I said, Father, why aren't they coming to hear the gospel? I don't understand. We're not giving them a watered down gospel. I'm not giving them a Sammy Nelson sermon. I'm giving them the word of God. Why aren't they coming? Because they're just like those Jews who are unbelieving. They don't want to change. Because when you listen closely to the pure gospel, it's going to require you to do something in your heart. 
And oftentimes, that means you're not going to be comfortable anymore with the way you're living. Amen? Amen. It's going to require you to repent. The Bible calls that repentance. Okay? Verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among there. For a year and a half, Paul is in current preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus had already told him, you're not going to get hurt in this city. Because in other places, he got his butt whipped. You hear me? He was even stoned and left unconscious in the streets. They drug him out to the city gate and left him for dead. Until the other saints came and prayed for him and the Holy Ghost revived him. There's a price to pay for being righteous. Okay? You may lose your job for being righteous. Some people may threaten lawsuits against you. You may lose your business. Just like those uh, bakeries, those Christian bakeries who refuse to cook cakes for gay people. So no, we're not going to do that. What happened? They shut them people's business down. And those folks had lost everything they worked for and had to pay heavy fines, Emily. And hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines and still being sued by the gay couple. But you know what? God's children said, we're not backing down. Sue us all you want to. You can't get blood from a turner. Okay? We're not going to dishonor God by doing this. All right? You got to take a stand. And you got to preach what the Lord tells you to preach. And you got to teach what the Lord tells you to teach. And you know what he tells you to preach and teach? From Genesis to Revelation. Nothing else. Anything else is man's. And that's what this man was doing. And as we go on, as we get ready to prepare for communion here in a couple of minutes, and when Paul, excuse me, when Galileo, oh, I'm going to hit on myself, I apologize. So he didn't keep silent. He's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching. And when Galileo was proconsul, a proconsul is nothing more like a governor. Okay? Or a mayor. Of Acacia, Acacia is another name for a big, large region in Greece. Okay? So the guy had big responsibilities. The Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuade men to worship God contrary to the law. That's every claim that, that has happened to Paul. It happened in Iconium, it happened in Thessalonica, and now it's happening in Kern. His own countrymen coming down there saying, he was a false teacher of the law. He's teaching Jews that they got to be saved by this man called Jesus when the law said a man must be circumcised. Uh-oh. Watch what this uh, official tell them, though. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves. He said, I don't want anything to do with it. 
for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks or Gentiles took Sothesis, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. He didn't even care that this man was beaten. And by the way, just for your own little nugget of learning, they have found an inscription, archaeologists did, with Galileo's name on it, who, saying that he was a proconsul. So this word, they know is true. Okay? Not that they needed that evidence. We believe in the word of God by itself. All right? Verse, verse 18. So Paul still remained a good while, then he took leave of, of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila with him. And he had his hair cut off at century, for he had taken a vow, and he came to where? Ephesus. We're going to stop here at the end of this paragraph. I want, you to, I want to explain this to you, that Paul go from one place to the other, that spiritually is, it gets worse and worse and worse. Because, oh my, 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 wait till he get to Ephesus. Anybody know what Ephesus is? Any knowledge here? Ephesus. Ever heard of the book of Ephesians? That's Ephesus. You ever heard of the seven churches written in Revelation? What's the first church on the list? Ephesus. They were the ones that were doing a lot of good things after they got saved and they kind of started just doing church stuff and strayed away from the Lord Jesus Christ and he rebuked them. He said, oh, you're doing some good stuff here, but there's one thing you lack, which I hold against you. He said, you have forgotten your first love. Me. Not me, Samuel, but him. He said, return and go back and do the first work. The first work of the gospel is loving Jesus. Everything else don't matter if you're not doing that. Okay? And so, this man is preaching his heart out. He's a traveling man. And I mean, Ephesus, he's now out of Greece. He's now in Turkey. Ephesus is in Asia, uh, are known as Asia Minor, Turkey, right now where all the trouble is, right now. So he goes there for a little while and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now, when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia. Again, Galatia... Uh, Phagia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So he's back in Turkey. 
Okay? And, and when we get to chapter 19, you're going to see his ministry in Ephesus. And you're going to see what that brother is going to be up against. And you want to talk about demonic warfare? It's going to be on, Junior. It's going to be on. Because there's no other book in the Bible that tells you to, to put on the whole armor of God. Okay? Other than the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Because it's on. But you, today, the whole purpose of this sermon is for you and I not to get involved in idol worship. You're to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Deacons, come on up and we'll get ready to prepare for communion. I got one missing. And so, Paul of this day preached a good message. Men and women today is still preaching this good message. It haven't changed. You're here today because you need to be here. I thank God for Caitlin coming in. She came in yesterday and helped us work. Bless her heart. Jumped right on in there with both hands and feet. I thank you for Junior and his family coming among us once again. But we live in a time where it's very hard to serve God if you're watching the world. Because the world's pressure is telling you you don't have to go to church to serve God. You don't have to because you can worship God from anywhere. That's a lie from hell. If you really think God going to accept your worship out there and you're not with his body, Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you can go and hang by yourself. Okay? It's called the body of Christ for a reason. Okay? Not one member make up a body. If that case, everything will look like Carlton, a big old ear. Okay? Or you'll be like Brandon, a big old head. Or like Matthew, nothing but a big old eye. But you're not. One of you got a foot, another one got an ear. Everything, all those parts come together to make up the body. Amen? So you're here. You're here. You're here. So a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. It's awesome, isn't it? Came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brother wrote, exhorting disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. He called them out. Showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. That was the closing part of our message today as we're getting ready to start communion here in a, in a moment. You got to know the scriptures. 
And you can't know the scripture if you're chasing Pokemon. Get in the Word of God. Study it. Sleep it. Eat it. Drink it. Cheap shot. Love it. Love it. Get up in the middle of the night. Get alone. Get in it. So that you can be like this brother. Okay? And he goes out. And he argued. He showed them. Jesus is the Christ. And he showed them and he rebuked them sharply out in the public place, out on the sidewalks. In those days, they didn't have sidewalks. They had street, probably stones, dirt roads. But he got out there and he showed them. No, the scripture says, this is the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah. Look at it. Everything it said the Messiah would do, this man has done. Current was very special to Paul. It is this young congregation that Paul would use to instruct in communion. Of all the churches, Current received the most instructions. They were shown things about God that no other congregation was shown. Everybody, I need your attention, please. I got a lot of conversations going on out there. Current was a place in which the Holy Spirit would show men and women gifts on how God operates. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, operated in all of the gifts of the Spirit. There's not a one of them in which he didn't operate in. And he wanted his children to have these same gifts. Paul did that by teaching Corinth about those gifts. But one thing they were lacking, they were very ignorant of communion. Because they thought it was feast time. You show up and get drunk and have the bellies full and go home. And what was really sad that those who were rich and was able to afford the fine feasts would go there and they would have all their delicacies and their luxury meals and their fancy wines and things and they would consume those things and get intoxicated. They were getting drunk. And their bellies were being full. And what was really, really sad, the people, those Christians, because you're going to have poor people no matter where you go. These poor people couldn't afford to bring stuff. But yet these rich Christians who were ignorant in the things of God just was, Wow. And they wouldn't share. They were selfish. They wouldn't share. So imagine that this half of the church were rich. And you, you thought communion was bringing in your fancy dishes, your fancy wines, and you're going to sit down and have a feast. That's communion for you. 
Well, this poor group couldn't afford to bring anything in because all they had was what they had at their house. Okay? So this group right here, with all their riches, ignored this group here. And they parted the communion. And Paul said, what? And he wasn't there when they were doing this. I guarantee you if he was there, that mess wouldn't have went on. So he wrote in the letter. He said, I heard about this. It's been reported to me. What? You mean to tell me you don't have houses to drink and eat in? And you got to come to the house of the Lord and carry on this way? And not think about your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? He said, no, 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 no. That's not the purpose of communion. Because you're disrespecting the Lord's body. You're disrespecting the purpose of communion. And so while you're here, Paul said, leave your meals home. Okay? Leave your fancy liquors at home. And when you come in here, we'll have some bread. And we'll have some wine for you. But that's going to be it. And everybody gets to partake in it. Nobody will be left out. Okay? And another thing, by you coming in here drinking and getting drunk and being glutton, he said your mind is sinning against God, and then you take communion as if everything's all right between you and God. He said, no, you got unconfessed, unrepentant sins. And that's why a lot of you have died. That's the reason why a lot of you are sick right now. And you don't even know why your, your buddy just died last week. And you don't know why your sister's sick. Well, they're coming to communion, you're getting drunk and blowing things and not respecting the Lord's body, what he did on the cross. So that's why a lot of you are sick and a lot of you are dying. Because the Holy Ghost is killing you for disrespecting Jesus. You think God is pleased with that? So he said, to fix this, this is how we fix it. You come in, we'll have the bread and the wine. And you come in with your mind made up to tell Jesus, I'm not sinning against you anymore. Is that all right? And if you've done wrong, then you tell Jesus before you partake in, his, in communion, the bread that represents his body that was broken for you. And, and the wine that represents his blood that was spilled for you. He said, before you get to this point, you need to tell Jesus, Lord, I repent. You need to tell God, I want things, I want things right with us. Okay? I want everything to be okay, Lord, with us. So when I partake of, of, of communion, I don't bring damnation to myself. Because that's what Paul said. He said, you just brought judgment to yourself. Okay? So at this moment, I want you all to think, every head bow, this is your moment to be like the people of Corinth. If there's something in your life, something in your heart right now, that you know you have sinned against God, that this is your moment to tell him now, Lord, I done this sin. Go ahead and, and tell him, bow your heads before the living God and tell him, Lord, I've done this. And I now repent, Jesus. I don't want to face you in judgment having this unconfessed, unrepentant sin to you.
And God is gracious. Yes, God is gracious. And because he is gracious, he gives you this precious moment to get right with him. And you do. You just tell Jesus, I'm not doing it anymore. And mean it. That's, that's, that's repentance. Okay? You turn from your sin by having that pure heart before God. And I, I, and I just got a word right now for everybody, for especially teenagers. God know you're sneaky. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Now everybody looking at me. Paul is saying now, as he's writing to the the people of Corinth. And I also believe this letter was probably written from Ephesus. It could have been written from Ephesus. I, we don't know exactly. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And in our case, this little wafer in here is going to represent the bread when you receive it. Okay? Imagine this being a loaf of bread. But it would have been flat because it had no yeast in it. Okay? Didn't have any yeast. And Jesus would have taken that loaf and he would have broke it. Tore it off. And he passed it around. And they broke it. And they passed it to each other. And he said, this, 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 this that I just broke off, it represents my body that was broken for you. Every time that Roman whip hit him and it cut open his flesh, he said, that's what this represents. My body that was broken for you. And Paul said, this, this is what we have to do. We have to know this. Then they get to the portion about the wine. The wine represents his blood. The blood represents the forgiveness of sin. That means God will not hold your sin against you on the day of judgment. That means Jesus by his blood, it says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, and he has washed away our sin in his own blood. That means the blood of Jesus took and washed away all that sin that's in your life. It's gone. It's gone. I know I use you as an illustration. You'll be all right. But it does it to your heart. I can't reach in and get your heart. And so, on that night, they get ready to celebrate communion. Sir, Emma, first, you got to go to work. I'm going to stay here for this. Parents, you need to open that for your kids. Here, we don't exclude children from communion. Because Jesus, nowhere is written in his words that children are excluded. It doesn't. Everybody's welcome to the Lord's table that love him. So on the night in which the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. 
And when it is given thanks, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the bread that represents his body that was broken for us. He broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This, do this in remembrance of me. Eat. In the same manner, he also took the cup out the supper, saying, this cup is a, is a new covenant in my blood. And having given thanks for it, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. He took and he passed it out and told him to drink all of it for the forgiveness of their sins. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come again. Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Amen. He is coming back again.